Hi, I'm Shruti. And I'm Julie. And this is a podcast of convenience. And we're coming to you live. Not live. We're coming to you together. Together. (laughs) From Oakland, California. In a hotel room. In a hotel room. By the airport. Sounds like a torrid affair we're having when you say it like that. (laughs) My husband left a day or two ago. Julie showed up and now we're here together. Now we're here together. One big bed. Sexually. Sexually. (laughs) Actually, we're here for a My Chemical Romance concert, but that's also pretty torrid, I think. Yeah. Pretty sexy. I'm going to put on all my black eyeliner. I brought my black eye pencil. I haven't worn it in years and years. Like all the way around? like a Yeah, like a raccoon eye. I'm doing it. Good. I'm doing the old style high school shruti. So I saw My Chemical Romance a couple days ago and then followed them down here like a freak. And then... Like a groupie. Um, somebody on the Portland... Misconnections Craigslist thing was like misconnections with all the elder emos at the MCR show and it was like in the body of it was just basically like you all looked amazing and I was too shy to talk to any of you but I just want you to know I love you I wish we could have kissed during the black parade Aww. and I was like that's amazing that brought me so much joy that is delightful that's what I'm saying we have to turn up I got my Doc Martens I got my big trench coat I got my black clothes I'm turning up everything I wear okay yeah not this <laughs> You're everything I wear when I'm right now. everything I wear when I'm not on an airplane. There's strawberries on your shirt right now, and cherries and pineapples. It's old navy, but baby. I know, but it's not. You're like everything in my closet. No, fits not everything in my closet. Everything I wear when I'm not on an airplane, I want to be super comfortable. Anything Fair I wear enough. when I'm trying to go out looks I like brought it a studded belt. Belongs to who? Belongs to my chemical romance. But I could have. I could have gone really hard on this look. I have a my chemical romance shirt actually, mm-hmm. going under a dress. That's cute. Yeah, I'm gonna get merch at the show. I actually was kind of interested in some of the things, but the line was obscene, so I just didn't. But if we get there, like, when the openers are happening, then we can probably just go get something, and then we'll be there for... Taking Back Sunday, I heard, is the other opener. They are. And I am an old fan of Taking Back Sunday as well. Me too. He's going to do the microphone thing, and I'm going to be like, yeehaw. (laughs) Yeehaw, buddy. (laughs) Yeehaw, my guy. Notoriously a thing that fans of Taking Back Sunday say. This fan of Taking Back Sunday. <laughs> I still listen to them. We have a playlist that we created a year or two ago that's like 300 plus songs deep and it's all emo shit. It's amazing. It's the shared emo playlist. It's amazing. Taking Back Sunday's on there, My Chemical Romance. All of the good stuff. Everything I listened to from age 15 today. To today, yeah. Because I mean, like, new stuff is fine, but old stuff is better. Yeah. Because we're at that age now where our tastes have kind of frozen in high school. Don't make that face. It was so long ago. When yeah, you say was... our taste frozen in high school, that's, like, a long time ago. And it was, like, the music that makes you, like, feel the safest. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I don't, sometimes I want to listen to new stuff. But mostly, I like to listen to the old stuff because I'm just like, I want to know every word and every tonal shift of the song beginning to end. Yeah. The Black Parade. So at the My Chem show that I saw. We're going to join the Black Parade. There was one song I did not know. and I Oh, the like, new one. I, no, because I, I know the new one. Oh, yeah. I feel like a fake fan. It was from like their compilation album or whatever. I think I know which one you're talking about because it's also one that I hear sometimes on Spotify and I'm like, what is that one? I, I was like devastated that I didn't know one of the songs because all the rest of them I can say every word to, you know? Yeah. But when that one came on and you're I was like, fake I don't fan. know what this is. You're a fake pos- a poser. A poser. A poser. <laughs> As the French say. That sounded Swedish. <laughs> As the sweets say. That's really stupid. (laughs) But I'm excited. It's going to be good. We're going to cry. 
Cry off all our black eyes. Oh, I'm going to have a track running right down my face. Oh, yeah. We're going to take tink tonks. Cry. <laughs> we're going to record tink tonks. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to cry into our masks. I have literally my Chemical Romance lyrics tattooed on me. Yeah, wait, which one is it? Awake and Unafraid? Yeah, so they know. I know. Oh, uh, Famous Last Words. I know what is it is. Song. I don't know, I thought you were asking me a nice question. <laughs> no, I'm asking you for the purpose of people that don't know you. Oh, yeah. I know you so well that, like, right before we started recording, I said TikTok, and then Julie said Tink Tonk, and I said it at the same time, and then Julie lost her mind. Okay, we were, like, in the middle, like, you said a normal sentence, and then you said the word TikTok, and I just, without thinking, went Tink Tonk, and you said it at the exact same time in the exact same cadence because you knew I was going to do it. Yeah. Terrifying. I don't say that that often. <laughs> you don't. I said it, like... Two minutes ago in the podcast because we had just been talking about it. Right. That was spooky, dude. I don't know what to tell you. Like, am I projecting my brain or are you burrowing in like a parasitic <laughs> insect? Uh, probably the second one. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This morning we were at um, the hotel breakfast because Julie just flew in and I've been here for like a few days. And I was like, Julie, there's this place here that does macaroni and cheese. We should get macaroni and cheese and then watch a scary movie tonight. Because that's what we used to do when we were in college and high school. And Julie started crying. I cried. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. She cried at the buffet. I cried at the breakfast buffet. So if you ever hotel. wonder if we're really friends, <laughs> you shouldn't. Because she cried over macaroni and cheese this morning. Dude. It's mac and cheese and horror movies on a kind of overcast day, although the sun sort of the came sun out. The sun came out. It'll go back away. <sighs> There's a serial killer here in Oakland right now. <laughs> what a segue. But yeah, there is. <laughs> Whatever. We haven't talked in a minute, and that's topical as well. Yeah, I come, I come to the hotel, and Shruti's like, oh, I do have some bad news. And I'm like, oh, maybe they moved the show again, but you know, at least I could hang out with my friend. She goes, there is an active serial killer <laughs> in the area. I found out like two days ago while we were here. We drove past Stockton, which is where the serial killer is active. And then they also tracked one back from April that was in Oakland and it like didn't fit the normal MO. It was a woman. And I was like, oh, no, I should definitely warn Julia that this is happening because I don't know. Maybe you want to be out at the break of dawn walking around dark places. We're not doing Alone. that. Uh, yeah, Not particularly, but it was just not... The news I expected you to say when you said you had bad news. I expected, like, normal person bad news. Not that there's an active serial killer in the town you just landed on. Landed I in. feel like you should know. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad. For safety purposes. <laughs> and and I not... didn't want to tell you too far ahead of time because we're not going to change the plans. Well, no. But I also was like, I don't want you to be thinking about it for days in advance. I'm good. I'm not particularly... Uh, we're not the wander around at 4 a.m. people anymore, no. if we ever even were. We were once upon a time. True. Zombie birthday. That's true. But now, I'm like, I'd like to be in bed at 9.30 person. Maybe. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I've been it. sleeping so early on this like vacation, and I've been waking up before my alarms every morning. It's good. Yeah, I feel so old, but I'm going to have a hard time at the concert, so I'm going to need coffee. I'm going to need coffee for a concert. <laughs> Yeah, well, we went to that concert on Sunday, and we were like, okay, we have to stay up till midnight the day before so that mm-hmm. we can actually get used to staying up till midnight again. No, it just ruined I didn't make brain. it. No, I, had to sleep yeah. at, I went to sleep at 11, and I was like, I barely made it to 11. I was exhausted. And I didn't do anything all day. I was just exhausted from it's being just, a person. Yeah, it's just waking up early. I feel like we get into that rhythm. Because I'm in the rhythm again, and now it's ruined everything. I used to be able to stay up later <laughs> until I started. ruined everything. No, but like waking up at 5, 6 a.m. on a normal schedule, it's like your brain is just rewiring. Yeah. So, like, that's what it is now. So, coffee. Also, like, even if we did stay up till midnight, 
our I dogs, don't want to. Our dogs have an idea of when they should be fed and our cat. Yeah. So it's not like they don't get up, get us up still at six. And once right. I'm up, I'm up. I don't. I know. She is the worst. She just meows and meows. And she does that like attention meow. It's a specific meow. Like whiny one. Yeah, like, rah, rah, like her foghorn cat. Yeah, yep. early in the morning, she's so walking around in circles, just <laughs> wailing. <laughs> and Evan's in charge of the morning pets, so I just kick him out of bed. There you go. I'm like, this is ruining my morning. But now I'm up before them, so they actually stay asleep, and I just tell Audrey to go back to bed. Oh my god. Because yeah, they were used to our schedule, and we were up at like 8, 9. Now I'm up at 5, 6. Yeah, it's planes. Oh no, it's ambulances. And a plane. Yeah, sorry about weird pausing. There was a siren. We're at a hotel. We can't control anything right now. We can't ever under normal circumstances either. That's true. Julie had a full-blown freakout about the number of times she touches the table. Yeah, I'm sitting like a solid two feet from the desk where the microphone is, and Shruti gave me a little crystal sphere to mess with while we're talking because I can't sit still. Oh, and I have to sit with my feet off the ground like a toddler. Otherwise, <laughs> I cricket feet all into the rug the entire time. And it's loud. And it's really loud. And I'm sitting on the bed side, not the chair side, because the bed doesn't squeak and I'm bouncing around. I hate it. I hate who I am as a person. No, you're a delightful person. It's just complicated for recording purposes. It is. Editing has been a nightmare. Yeah, I don't have to do that part of it, so maybe You're not I... touching the table. You're doing great. You're sitting on an ottoman instead of a chair because yeah. you're a trooper. I'm used to sitting cross-legged in a closet. This is actually kind of comfortable for me. <laughs> There's light. <laughs> it's true, you're not in a closet. It's not dark in here. I'm not, like, muffled by coats. I hope this doesn't, like, echo all weirdly. Well, we're going to really... I mean, if the audio you know, on this we is heard... bad, we're sorry. Yeah. And we're going to record two, so if the audio is bad for this one and the next one, we're sorry. Yeah, if you didn't like this one... Don't get your hopes up for the next one because we're going to record it. But listen to it anyways. Here. Download yeah. it. Like it. Subscribe. Like, subscribe, and share. And share. Is that a thing you can do from podcasts? I think so. It's like a share icon. Cool. That little arrow button. Do that. Apparently downloads go a long way. So just like download us for the algorithm. For the algorithm's sake. You know I care about the algorithm. You have to. Do I? It rules everything. I do talk about the algorithms a lot more <laughs> than, than most. Expected. Yeah. <laughs> uh, growing up, I never even knew what an algorithm was. And now it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And everything. Mm. Julie looks really sad. It's haunting. Anyway, you want to talk about a book? Yes, let's do it. We are talking about, let me get the book because it's behind me. Quietly, I'm going to lift it and hopefully it won't rustle around. We are talking about Dating Dr. Thill, a novel by Nisha Sharma. So what's up? What's up? Look at this cover. Very cute cover. I Very like the cute art cover. style a lot. She looks dope. He looks hot, I guess, for a cartoon man. Like, they look great. And he's wearing his scrubs. And she's wearing her little sweater vest, which makes sense if you've read the book. Love has met its match. Mm-hmm. All right. Initial thoughts. Here's the deal. This is going to be therapy, no matter how much <laughs> I don't want it to become therapy, because this book hit me. It hit me. Yeah, I you, figured it would. So what I actually want to do is hear your thoughts first before we dive into a deep therapy session. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. I feel weird giving my thoughts first. Why? Because this is so far removed from my culture. So you, you were raised partially with my family. True. So like you have some frame of reference for how this type of a family functions. I'll just what did about- you think? In general, how I felt about the book. Yeah, I don't have to like it. talk deeply about the we don't. cultural stuff in it anyway. I'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> Good. 
I've got, you should be the one I've got, like, about I've got about as many notes as I have for Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, wow. Oh. Better notes. Better okay. notes. Not, a, not troubling notes. Um, Just notes. I have a couple of like very hyper-specific notes mm-hmm. um, that we don't necessarily need to get into yet right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I want to say it was an enjoyable book for me to read. Definitely not one of my favorites, mm-hmm. but we've read significantly worse. And even if we're excluding things like Fifty Shades of Grey and Ice Planet Barbarians, which are objectively quite bad, um, this is definitely not like anywhere near that level. <laughs> it's higher, no. higher middle for no, sure. It's like a book book. Um, I had a few issues with like dialogue and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like just some of the phrasing of things. Um, I also felt, again, a little bit disconnected from some of the cultural references and stuff, which is not any fault of the author. In fact, I think it's kind of cool. I got to learn some stuff that even though, despite, you know, having been raised alongside you, um, certain things I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we read two books to prepare for this. And I'm trying mentally to not compare them right now. (laughs) (laughs) They're not in the same echelon. They're very different books. Yeah. Um, And this one was, again, pretty enjoyable. Um, let's do maybe a little plot recap sure. first before we jump into your thoughts. My feelings. Your feelings? My darkest feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I do want to say is, um, I think the thing about this book that bothered me is purely personal. I hate men. <laughs> like, I just... Which ones in particular? Um, I The hate, main character I hate, or I other I the men. trope, I don't believe in love. Oh, that's going to be tough for the whole podcast, Julie. And the next one. <laughs> yeah. It's, I didn't realize it until I finished these two. That you don't that like, like that. I'm like, I hate that trope, it turns Interesting. out. Interesting. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't even, I can't even tell you why. Maybe it's because it's quite often men who are the ones who don't believe it's in love. It's the emotional constipation. I'm sick of stubborn men who aren't in touch with their damn feelings. They just need to it's go not to therapy. <laughs> just go to therapy. Yeah. But... That said, like, the characters in this mm-hmm. I found very charming at times. The dialogue kind of drove me crazy, but I'll get into why. Yeah. Um, there was a lot I liked about this. There was the mm-hmm. um, protective man in terms of, like, like he's at one point he's like, oh, where are you hurt? Like, he, he thinks she's hurt. And, like, that right. is all. I want to get into why that's the hottest shit. There were a lot of things I found compelling and Compelling hot. and yes. hot. Yes. Um, but in general. There were some things I also did not like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get more specific after we do a little plot recap, maybe. Great. So you want to do the, the recap, or should I do the recap? Uh, you start us off. Okay. The book is about Karina, who is a lawyer working at a nonprofit. Um, she is in a family, an Indian family, an Indian Punjabi family, which is my family. Her family reminds me of my family in interesting ways. She has a younger sister, and she lives with her sister and her father and her grandmother in their family home that her mother had kind of worked on, designed, and built as her dream, and her mother has passed away. So Karina has this really, really strong connection with her mother and this dream of building up this house to be a family home. She's kept her mother's car and is restoring it, so she's very, very nostalgic about the past and her mother. Her dad is planning on retiring and selling the house. And so this is particularly painful to Karina because nobody tells her about any of this. They all work around her back, which I have to say is very realistic. Oh, Trevinas. Yeah, it's very realistic and painful that way because it's like, oh, you're just the daughter. You're just the daughter, Mm. which is very painfully realistic. And I'll get into that definitely a lot more about how you don't really have value until a man is in your life. Um, 
Topical. Anyway, so that's who Karina is. And so she's in this situation now where she has essentially money set aside for her wedding and her sister's wedding. And her sister's about to get married and have this big blowout um, engagement party. She's an influencer. She's also a teacher. So there's definitely depth to her as a character. She's not entirely a shallow influencer, but she definitely comes across as very shallow and self-centered and selfish. This book is loosely based on Taming of the Shrew. I don't know if you caught that. Mm-hmm. I d- you know, I didn't until the end, and mm-hmm. it was mentioned in, like, an afterword or something. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, shit, yeah. So, like, this Karina is the shrew, and her sister is the younger sister. Or, for a more topical reference, Tang Things I Hate About You. Yeah. It's based good. on that as well, yep. which is also based on Taming of the Shrew. And so she wants her wedding money in order to buy out her father for the house. But her dad said... I'll only give you this money for the house if you are engaged. You have to be engaged to get access to this money, which again, topical. I know what that's like. Um, There was money set aside for my wedding, but not for my college. So let's think about that, guys. Very complicated. I love my family. I don't want to shit on them. So I want to just say that immigrant families are complicated. It does not mean I don't love my family, but there is complexity here. So that's the situation she's in. And so now she's in the situation where she needs to get married in order to access the money to buy this house in a very short time period, essentially before her sister's engagement, which is coming up in a few months. And Karina believes in love. She is the flag waver of love. Her parents had a love match. And so she has held that up as the standard of all relationships that she's very against the concept of arranged marriage she's very for the concept of a love marriage and if you're in in the indian community you probably know what that is i'm sure if you're not arranged marriages sound crazy crazy but you know it's normal culturally for us to have that be an option and so she's on this mission to find the love of her life on the other side of the equation is dr prame who is a i think a cardiologist Mm -hmm. and he is on a He's a talk show host for the show Dating Doctor... No, the show is Dr. Thill or something. It's... It's not Dating Dr. Thill. That's the name of the book. Yeah, it's something with Dr. Heart something. Yeah, because Thill Thill means heart, brain means love. So it's all very cheesy that way. Cheesy and likable, if you get the inside joke of it. I didn't mind it. He doesn't believe in love. He only believes in arrangements and businesses and transactions and all that kind of stuff. And he has this talk show because he's trying to raise funds to build a health center specific to the South Asian community who are suffering from certain epidemics that aren't affecting other communities and they're not getting the appropriate treatment and care in regular American hospitals. So he wants to create his own um, hospital to take care of the South Asian community The book is set in New Jersey. New Jersey has like the biggest Indian population in America. I don't know if you're aware of that. I had no idea about that. I grew up in LA. I'm an LA Indian, which is like the second biggest, like the Bay Area in California, Los Angeles, and then the whole fucking state of New Jersey. So growing up, growing up for us, New Jersey Indians was a thing. Uh, Like a, what kind of thing? Like, that's where all the Indians are. Oh, okay. Like, Was we're like out here on the West Coast, and, like, we have some Indians, but they have all the Indians. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to watch TV on Saturdays on Channel 18, um, because that's where all the ethnic programming was on Saturdays. And there was, like, a two-hour block of Indian programming, and all the commercials were for New Jersey. Like, New Jersey services and stuff? Yeah. New Jersey, like, stores, huh. and New Jersey this, New Jersey that. Like, everything's in New Jersey. 
weird. Now you know. <laughs> I had no idea. So I, was, like, I, I mean, I sort of figured from the book, yeah. but I didn't realize it was the largest population. I don't know if that's like factually true, but everyone knows okay. that that's where they are. Yeah. So that's where they are. Huh. And so these two need to fall in love, and that's the plot of the book. Oh, they need to fall... You said why they need to fall in love on his mm-hmm. end, right? With the mom and the... I haven't gotten to his... You want to do his end? Oh, yeah. I mean, you were you were pretty much on track. Um, he also is looking... Yeah. He, he money. needs money as well. For similar reason to her, except he needs it for the clinic mm-hmm. that he mentioned. Um, and he has uh, investors or whatever um, who are involved in funding that clinic um and then after the start of the book they pull out for reasons for reasons and so he basically they both need money and find an opportunity Mm -hmm. um, in each other to get it they start Um, fake dating yeah it's a fake dating thing which is fun Mm -hmm. i like that generally yeah um essentially his tv show focuses on the fact that love is bad for your heart uh, it's either not real or bad for your heart. Um, Do we want to talk about their meet cute and how insane it is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's her 30th birthday and she goes out to a bar with her friends and she's like, woe is me about this whole I have to meet someone in a few months and all her friends have to take off for one reason or another. She's going to have one more drink. He is at the bar with his friend. Woe is me. I need money and I can't get it or whatever. So they're both woe is me a little bit. And they keep eyeing each other at this bar. They keep eyeing each other. And eventually he goes over to say hi because his friend's pushy. And that's, I like the friend circles. They're pretty I cute. I do too, yeah. And um, so he goes over to say hi. And they talk for hours and hours and hours about everything. And it's like, ah, love or whatever. They end up in the back room because they're totally going to have sex in the back room. And she's taking off her sweater vest. Her sweater vest gets caught in her earring and she's stuck with her arms over her head. He gets an emergency, quote unquote, emergency phone call from his mom. And um, he actually was engaged to someone previously who passed very unexpectedly um, due to like an issue that they didn't catch because of um, the demographic. The whole reason why he wants to start this hospital is her. And so whenever he hears an SOS, his brain shuts down because he's in a trauma response, essentially. And so he just essentially leaves her there with her earring caught and her sweater vest, like, half naked in the back room. And so that starts their enemies to lovers uh, peril because... I like enemies to lovers, too. Yeah, they are definitely not happy with each other for a long time. Yeah, she storms onto his show, basically, where he talks about love being... Well, she's invited to a show because her sister is a guest, technically, and she's there. Yeah, her influencer thing. As her assistant. So she doesn't expect this, but once she sees that it's him, and once he's talking about the fact that love is not real, it's a chemical reaction, and that, you know, a love connection that makes you, you know, devastated is bad for your heart... Um, she basically storms up onto the stage or starts yelling at him from the audience. Oh, yeah. And interrupts the show fully. She's like, F you, because you were feeding me all sorts of lines yesterday to try to get into my pants, and then you turn out to be this nefarious, you know, you don't even believe in love, you were just lying to me the whole night. And they had stopped recording the TV show, but her sister was live streaming. So it got live streamed. And if you know anything about small communities... It gets out to everyone. And so his investors pull out, and that's why he needs the money. Yeah, his investors are like, we don't think anyone will support your clinic if you have such a horrible public image. Mm-hmm. And she just destroyed it. So, bye. Yeah, and it also ruins her chances of getting um, finding love and getting married because 
she's like that woman who's like a shrieking... The difficult woman. The difficult woman. And she's placed in that position a lot in this book where everyone just thinks she's the worst, difficult, most upsetting. She's a 30-year-old lawyer who works for a nonprofit. So in the Indian community, she's the devil. Yeah. She's the actual devil. Oh, God. (laughs) But yeah, that sparks the... um, He basically says, if we fake date... Or if we get fake engaged, you will get the money from your dad and I will save my image and be a family man again in the public eye and my investors will come back. Um, So we need to do this. And she's like, well, we can use that as a last ditch plan um, and we can, you can fake, you know, propose to me at my sister's engagement party or whatever, um, because that's, you know, toward the very end of her timing. Mm -hmm. Um, but until then, I'm going to keep trying to find my actual true love, and I'm going to date. And um, if I can get actually engaged between now and then and not fake engaged, I'm going to do that. Um, and I think one big thing to point out from that is the reason why she doesn't want to do the fake engagement with him is because a broken engagement for her would essentially mean she's damaged goods. And he does not grasp that for a long time. No, he doesn't get it. And I have some quotes that I pulled out from that part, too, but just... There's a double standard in the community, and so him not grasping that really pissed me off. Yeah. I'm like, it's not the same for you, dude. <laughs> it's very different for her, my guy. My guy. <laughs> You're ruining her whole reputation. Yeah, you she'll back. never be able to recover from this. I had thoughts where I didn't necessarily like the fact that she is our protagonist, and we're supposed to like her unequivocally or whatever. One thing that I don't like about this book and the Indian community in general is that they look at getting married to an Indian person as the be-all, end-all experience. Like, if you can't marry an Indian man, then you'll have to look outside of the community. Like, that's plan B. It's plan B, and that fucked me up for a long time because my family was very, very against me getting married to someone who wasn't Indian. And I married someone who wasn't Indian, and they're, like, super happy about it. So I'm like, wow, guys. I guess that wasn't as big a deal as you made me believe. Nope. And it's the super, like, big issue for me personally, where I'm like, you, I'm supposed to like you more, but the fact that you're so fixated on only seeing Indian people fucks me up a little bit. Because you kind of remind me of the same thing that you're trying to fight about. Karina. Karina, yeah. I'm like, you want to be this modern progressive woman, but only in the confines of your community. That's true. Her dating websites and things are specifically... Yeah, which, I mean, I was on Indian dating sites too, but I wasn't only on them. Mm -hmm. And I had my own experiences or whatever. When I get into that, that's too much therapy. My therapist (laughs) has heard about it, and she will hear about it in the future because it's never gone away. But I thought as a protagonist, that was really close-minded. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she never even entertained the thought, did she? I think it might have been too big of a subject for a book like this to talk, like okay. even start exploring that because her family couldn't even handle the fact that she was this, this, and that, let alone we threw on the interracial dating concept and then she's going to get disowned. Jeez. Yeah. It, I mean, she might not have gotten disowned, but it's on the table. It was yeah. on the table for me. So, like, I had to call some bluffs when I got older. You did it. I did it. Worked out. Worked out great. I love my husband. <laughs> I married him, didn't I? You married the hell out of him. Yeah, but I had to put I had to put my feet to the fire a little bit with them. It was challenging. Yeah, so basically they fake date. Well, he he's like, we're going to fake date. We're going to get fake engaged. It's my plan A. And she's like, well, it's not mine mm-hmm. because you don't believe in love. So this is garbage nonsense. We'll never fall in love. Right. Um, even though they're very sexually attracted to each other. Oh, very sexually Immediately. attracted. Immediately. They are... Gagging to go. Gagging to go. 
Um, uh, and then, yeah, he sabotages some dates and they hang out and obviously get closer. Um, it's a romance novel, so it's pretty clear that at the end they get together. Mm-hmm. He does propose to her. Um, but before that, she is given the money by her father anyway, I believe. No, so there was a proposal, right, where he proposed to her and she accepted and they were going to announce it at the party, mm-hmm. her sister's engagement party. And all the while, Karina's like, he hasn't said I love you, but I feel like he does love me. He's just having a hard time saying it. And her friends, I love her friends, um, are like, you know what? He hasn't said it, but you don't actually know if he feels it. You should get to that point where he can either say it or not because this is really important to you. And so she accepts his proposal, I think, Mm -hmm. and they go to the party. And I forgot under what circumstances... She ends up leaving the party, and they have, like, a confrontation outside, I think. And he he says, I, she's like, I just need you to say it during this big confrontation. Because, like, her grandmother's doing it, and everyone, like, knows about it. And it's just becoming this big, which also was very triggering for me, this big thing where it's like, oh, well, now you're getting married, so now you're better than you were before because mm-hmm. of the attachment to a man. And so she's freaking out and leaves the party. And he she's like, I just need you to say it. I know you feel it. You had just say it. And he can't say it. And her friends have the car ready to go. Love that. They whisk her away. And he's like, no, I have to deal with this. And her dad punches him in the face. Fully. Which he needed, I think. Yes. A lot of the time in the book, I'm like, someone just needs to punch him in the face. Like most characters needed a punch in the face for large portions of that book. It was he got it. A lot of questions. A lot of characters were very frustrating. Yes. Personally, and maybe not personally, because apparently you were also experiencing a level of frustration with characters. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, that's she just needs him to say it, and he won't. And then he goes through a so whole... So the engagement breaks. They yeah. were engaged, and then they weren't. And then her but father then the, gives him... But then the dad does give her the money, even with the broken engagement. Yeah, yeah. which I'm like, why couldn't you have just done that in <laughs> right? the beginning? Save the whole book. Yeah. Um, and then he so goes through stubborn. a whole soul-searching thing where he talks yeah. to his mom, and she's like, well, we never said I love you because we just didn't say it, but I showed it through my actions instead. Right, which is such an Asian thing. But I still love you and loved everyone else and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so he goes through like a realization where he's like, oh, shit, I do love her because he's... Fucking course he does. It wasn't difficult to see. Yeah. He's like, oh, funny. I want to be around her all the time. I want to live the rest of my life with right. her. I want to have sex I with her. I do understand maybe the challenge around saying I love you specifically for him. I didn't like it, obviously, because I want him to fall on his knees for love and he just didn't right. for a long, long, long time. Um, because in Asian culture, that's actually a really big thing is not saying the words. Okay. I know Evan told me when he was growing up, because he's from a Korean family and they didn't say it for a long time. And mm-hmm. so when we were in a relationship, I'm like, I need you to say it more. Mm-hmm. You're not saying it enough. Like once a month ain't going to cut it for me. I don't care how much fruit you cut me or what cute dinners. I need to hear the words. <laughs> I just need it. That's yeah. who I am as a person. I need the words. And so he had to work on that because it's not something that his family did. And my family does it all the time. Yeah. And we're both in an Asian community. So it's just very different family to mm-hmm. family. So yeah, he basically, the main character... My dad actually had to start learning how to say it more. Really? Yeah, because when I was growing up, I used to be like, Dad, you just need to tell me you love me. When I hang up the phone, just say it. Yeah. And then he started to say it because oh, I told him he needed to say it to me. Yeah. I'm like, just say you love me. God damn, it's not that it's hard. It's not that hard. But they're just not but used yeah. to saying it. They don't think it's fair. They don't think it's necessary. Some people, yeah, show it through acts of service or through whatever, and that's fine too. Not for but me. But if your loved one is like, I need this, and yeah. you don't provide it... You're an asshole and you deserve to get punched in the face by your dad. 
And he did. He sure did. I loved it. Yeah. I also loved it when he was yelling at the whole family at the end. I'm like, every, even the daddy, the old grandma, I'm like, you yell at that old bat. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck her up. I love my grandmas. I'll tell you what. But I'm like, sometimes I wish someone would just yell at them. Yeah. Her and that vibrator. Oh, God. (laughs) So weird. Oh, so stupid. So that's the plot of the book, essentially. Generally, yeah. Um, Now, notes? (laughs) I think... I think it's time for notes. I think it's time for notes. Okay. There was one thing I didn't like in the book that I want to talk about. There are a lot of things I loved. One thing that if I'm going to call out this white man, TJ Klune, for it, I'm going to have to call out an Indian person for it. The use of Indian terminology in this wor- in this world that she's built here, it's too much. Is it? It's too much in an uncomfortable way for me. And... Maybe it's different in New Jersey. She's a New Jersey Indian. <laughs> Maybe they're just different. Because, like, I have been told by people that, like, oh, this is my not-that-Indian Indian friend, which is a weird thing to say to someone. In reference to you? Yeah, I was getting introduced by a friend who I'm not going to name to a group of her friends. She was an Indian friend I had from high school. These are her college Indian friends. And when she introduced me, she said, this is Shruti, my not-that-Indian Indian friend. That is pretty weird. I was in Indian club with her. Yeah. I don't understand what that meant. I understand Indian languages. Yeah. I eat Indian food. I see Indian movies. I, I don't know. I go what to that India. Means. How do you prove your Indianness enough? Big question. <laughs> I don't have an answer for it. But anyway, so I'm like maybe it's just that. Maybe I'm not in these circles. Oh. But there are a couple moments where I'm like, this is unnecessary. Okay. Calling your vagina a jalebi. More than once. <laughs> okay. Do you know what a jalebi is? No. Okay. You know the Indian sweets? Yeah. The orange one that's like a fried ring. It's like a fried ring of sugar. Okay. Have you seen that? It's like doused in syrup. It's very sticky. I think so. That's a jalebi. Oof. It's very sweet. Okay. I like jalebis. Is it a common thing to call your genitals? No. I've never heard genitals called a jalebi. I didn't really register it as it came through. I think they both called it a jalebi. I'm like, why? No, is you know what's funny? Because we're talking about genitals and names for genitals. Half chub. The first no. Okay, first I put that time, as a dick. I hated that. She, did you say half chub? That's pretty funny. I don't that like half. Laugh. I don't like half chub. That's gross. I use it as a joke for sure. The for first, as a joke, but not in a sex. I think scene. it was multiple times, but the first time that he referred to his penis, hated it as his Charlie. Hated it. He called it a Charlie every time. I almost threw my phone across. The it's room. his Charlie. His Charlie. And they weren't like, oh, ha, 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 this is no. my name for my penis. Mm-hmm. He just, they just used it as if it was the same word as penis. So, like, jalebi for your vagina and Charlie for your penis and half chub. Charlie? It's not even an Indian word, though. Nope. What kind of gross shit was that? <laughs> like, if they were, like, his fucking twitching cock, I would have been like, oh, that's less gross than Charlie. I don't know why. Charlie's it, worse. It feels like, I don't know, I, don't, I didn't like Charlie. I don't know if I wrote that in my notes, but I remember that. I didn't like it. So back- you, know, you can see in my notes, it's like the an idea formed in his head. One that had even has one that even had his Charlie twitching in his pants, and I wrote his what? <laughs> I'm like I could not. Yeah, I did not like Charlie. Why that was used? And I did not like Jalebi. Okay, yeah. The other things I have a couple. I have to scroll through here for it. Okay, they went to a museum to go do that um, scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunt, which is actually super cute. Super cute. I love that he remembered that detail and took her to that as a date. It was, like, very charming. Yeah. And what I didn't like... I like them destroying those teenagers, too. The teenager thing was fine. Yeah. The thing that I didn't like was that these teenagers were also Asian, and they were weirdly competitive Asian teenagers. Mm-hmm. I've been an Asian teenager. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know that I would pick out the only other Asian people in the room to compete with and, like, aggressively compete with. Yeah. Like, I might be like, I'm going to compete with those people across the room because they look smug and I want to beat them. But, like, this weird. And so. Like, enough to shout at them and try to steal the win from them. I took a quote from it. We're the only Asians who are going to win this. That's a line in the book. We're the only Asians who are going to win this. Ha ha. And then they run off (laughs) to go win the thing. And then they cheat and all this stuff just to beat the other Asians. It's weird. I didn't like that. The vibe is off. I thought that was super weird. And my next one is, are there Asian vibrators? Specific for Asian people. I have been in the vibrator looking around for vibrators for a long time. I've never seen a vibrator that's branded for Asian people. The vibrator is called the Asian Sensation. Oh, yeah. You're right. That makes no fucking sense. No, I did not like that. Like, why does it have to be one? And then another one, I've never heard an Indian person do this except as a joke. And even then, like, everyone rolls their eyes. No one likes it when an Indian person does this. Hmm. But instead of saying, oh, my God, they said, holy Vishnu, as an exclamation. I've never heard anybody say that either, no. And you've been in my Indian family for a long time, and we're also Punjabi, so it's like, maybe it's a New Jersey thing. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't like New Jersey Indians. It's possible it's a New Jersey thing, but maybe I wouldn't like I New think that was, that was, like, the list of, like, those specifically Asian call-outs that I thought, like, if I didn't like it when TJ Klune used Spanish terminology where it felt kind of awkward. Forced and weird. This was a lot more than that, and I have to call it out. And there was plenty of stuff in there that was culturally appropriate. There was so much of it. It, the whole thing. I mean, whole it thing was, was very great. deep in that culture. So and it was great for the most part. But yeah, those mo- now that you point them out, those moments Holy seem, Vishnu. Ugh, it sounds like Scooby-Doo shit. We're the only Asians that are going to win this that thing. That sounds like Scooby-Doo shit too. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, I didn't yep. like it. It felt very cheesy. Like too cheesy for this book. It sounds like a white person wrote it. And I know, it's, it's I know she didn't. So. It's not. Yeah. So like, why? Why? An Asian vibrator? <laughs> the, Asian the Asian sensation that is funny. But I it's also like, it. it took me out for a second where I'm like, where are you getting an Asian vibrator? I know there's an Asian company that is doing vibrators now, but it's like it's run by an Asian POC woman. It's they're not marketed as an Asian vibrator company. And it's like it's a vibrator. It's not it like buzzes. what about it makes it Asian other than Does it have like Indian iconography on it? I don't yeah. understand. Super weird. I did like that um, the grandmother thought that the vibrator was a massager because they lied to her and so she was carrying it around all the time. To and, massage her neck. Which stuff. was very funny. Yeah, it's like a funny gag. But yeah, mm-hmm. now that you mention it, the wording was kind of weird. The Asian sensation. Feels different. Yeah. <laughs> different than a non-Asian <laughs> So sensation. I think cultural cultural sensitivity, this book was amazing, but those specific things, I had to write them down because I didn't like them. That's fair. Too yeah. much. Or like an older person writing it, you know, where it's like, this doesn't seem like generationally correct. So my, like, weird forced phrasing things that I didn't like mm-hmm. were, of course, not cultural. So I'm white as shit. But they were yeah. um, things that bother me because a lot of the time I weirdly will, like, kind of read to myself in a whisper out loud. It's fine. And I feel like that um, helps me recognize when dialogue is shit that nobody would say. And right. so it's, like, a huge, huge, huge pet peeve of mine when somebody says something out loud that they wouldn't, that they would think. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge pet peeve of mine when somebody says something out loud that, like, they shouldn't like they know like basically when they use exposition in a book as dialogue i'm like no but it's a book we could just hear their thoughts if you wanted to talk about that thing or you could just tell us as a narrator Mm -hmm. that that thing exists so like um like uh karina's talking kind of to her mom her like 
Her dead mom. Her dead mom, but like out loud. And she says, I feel you every time I take care of our house and work on your car. My car now. And it's like shit like that or like... Okay. um, His mom says, Mm. between your job at that cardiology center and your TV show, you are already strapped for time. Like, instead of being like... You're, you don't have you any got time. Too many or, jobs. like, you got too many jobs. Yeah. Like, when somebody's, like, between the, the two jobs and, like, describing both of them like that. Right. Like, people don't talk like that. And everyone, the show not everyone tell present thing. knows. Yeah. Right. Show don't tell. It's a book. There's no mm-hmm. reason to not have as much exposition as you want, not right. in dialogue form. For the first one, I talk to myself like that. The second one, I agree, is a little strange. I guess it was not, not as good at a visit. I talk example. to myself a lot. A lot, like to a problematic extent. I talk to myself too, but like I don't. I feel like I'm describing things. It's like in a movie if somebody was like, "I'm sad now," instead of just being sad. I do that at home a lot, <laughs> especially because of therapy. I'm trying to identify my emotions more. Okay, well, so if like I don't know what I'm feeling, I'll have to talk about my feelings, and I do it out loud. Where I'm like, "Okay, how am I feeling? I'm not depressed. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling? It's my stomach. My stomach hurts. Oh, I'm mad." And I have to walk through my emotions like that? Okay, I mean, that's fair. If it's that like might be technique. very specific. It that is. might not work for it the book. It super is. That just might be me. <laughs> but if she was, like, a character that was... If any of that was part of her character. Mm-hmm. If she was actually seeking that. but And also, everybody does it. And they right. all do it out loud. And not just to themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just... I think it's just kind of... There's you know, it could, be a, new, it could be a new writer thing. I think this is her debut book. Oh, is it really? I think so. So I feel like that's something that, over time, they might get better at. And again, it's probably me being picky. I'm just particularly mm-hmm. irritated when people, when dialogue sounds like shit that people don't say. Yeah. People don't, traditionally, <laughs> when talking We're to another be person. We're going to the Asians that win this thing. Yeah, scooby yeah. do shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I think that's a fair critique. Other one very small note. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. They both love Taylor Swift. What the fuck's up with that? I don't know. Clearly just the author likes Taylor Swift. I don't like Taylor Swift that much. I don't like Taylor Swift. I don't anything Taylor Swift. I'm not a Taylor fan. I'm nothing yeah, Taylor Swift. she's just there. But like, literally, one of the lines that I highlighted was, like T-Swizz said, damn, it was only 7 a.m. And I I feel like that's, in my mouth. that's like an older person trying to write younger people. That sounds like Scooby-Doo shit again. T-Swizz. T-Swizz. I've never heard T-Swizz in my life. Gross. We're not even that old. We're not even that young. They only <laughs> they say that. only listen to it's Taylor real. Swift. And at the end yeah. of the book, there's a Taylor Swift playlist, like written out. I think she likes Taylor Swift. It, she does. Do and I understand writing Swifties? what you know. She might be targeting Swifties. Maybe as an audience. But also, like having the characters have only one thing that they like feels weird and mm-hmm. not like multi-dimensional. One-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be like they both like this thing and they don't know that they both like this thing and then it's like a thing that they both like that they bring them together. If it was like a, a super niche thing or like a guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. but it's just like an artist who's hugely popular that they T-Swiss. both like. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have just called me a slur with hopes that I am like, <laughs> you just said that to me like that. Fair, at this point, I still call her Taylor Swaft. Taylor Swaft. Because of a joke from like 20 years ago. <laughs> T-Swizz. T-Swizz. So upsetting. I want to talk about some things that I liked. Okay, good. Wait, do you have things that you I feel like we've been kind of ragging on it, and I did no, like I really like. I have book. a yeah. lot of notes that I liked Please. a lot. Those are just the big ones that I didn't like. Um, let's see. The aunties. Aunties were super cute. I loved them yeah. for their accuracy so deeply. <laughs> there is an auntie in that list that is my mother. Which one? The one that wears the long the tops, like mm-hmm. the long tops with the jeans and the tennis shoes, descriptor, my mother, yeah, that is my mother, absolutely. and she cooks everything. Like, yeah. she's the cook of the group. Mm-hmm. And that is my mom in her friend group. She is the cook of the group. That's really cute. But everyone knows that she's the best cook. 
So I'm like, oh, that's great. And they have like all of the auntie like prototypes are aunties that I know. So I like was li- like, oh, I know an auntie like that. That's like this one and then that one. And then the way that they were like, this is a little unrealistic for me, but the way that they were so close to her and took care of her as a daughter when her mother passed was very sweet. I was going to say, I, I love that, that they mm-hmm. are not her blood relations and their mother has since, you know, and their friend has since, yeah, her mother and their friend has since passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all still so hyper involved in her life. That's accurate. I think it's wonderful. And I thought it was just genuinely very funny yeah. and sweet. Like, they made me laugh more than anything. They were my favorite characters. Yeah, they were my favorites. Yeah. Whenever they showed up, I'm like, oh, this is going to be funny. Yeah. And then with the grandma and everything, it just made me laugh a lot. Look at my notes, too. Yeah, okay. Oh, I have one note that says, it's from the very beginning of the book, I want this man to crawl on his knees for love. That's just it. I don't feel like he ever did. No. All he really, what was his gesture He paid off her car repairs. That's great. I don't think throwing money at a problem fixes a lot of things. Well, in the Indian community, it does. (laughs) <laughs> that was me being <laughs> that was me being snarky not touching that one <laughs> you shouldn't that's gonna get you in trouble <laughs> you're allowed to say it it's not gonna get me in trouble or if it does i'll give a fuck well yeah that's i live this shit it's my life <laughs> i live this shit um yeah i wanted him to crawl because in the beginning i just felt like it was so much that he hates love that it's like oh god i want you to fall to you oh, he didn't get punched in the face he did but not by her. No. She actually didn't get much of that, like... No, he came and he talked to her about it, I think. The end. Not enough, though. Again, I wanted I groveling. I like the resolution was fine, but I also wanted groveling. For someone that doesn't like groveling as much as me, I'm just saying. It would this, have been nice in this one. This guy sucked. So like, I wanted to I wanted grovel. to see tears in his eyes groveling. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just a note, uh, Miss Sharma, for next time. If you can make the next he, guy he grovel more. the next guy just, like, cry. Cry, scream, throw up on his hands and knees. Like, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. Ooh, here's a quote that I have. Uh, and it's something we talked about earlier. But just remember that you benefit from the parts of this culture that are oppressive. Ooh. Where Karina is talking to Brian. Yes. Um, because oh, that's so juicy. I think that Indian men don't really understand that they are not only getting more than we are, without having to do any jack shit for it. Yeah. But they they are actively benefiting from our oppression and they don't do much to help us off of our knees. Infuriating. Yeah. So I loved that quote. And that's that's another thing that I feel like he should have had to grovel more after mm-hmm. or or come to terms with that one maybe more. Yeah. Because I feel like he went off and on did his own like work, which is one conversation with his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because his mom fixed it. Fixed everything. Which is just like in DSM. Um, but yeah, he didn't. I'm too jaded approach... to like this unequivocally. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. You're, you're right. He like he didn't yeah. he didn't approach that um, topic in his like soul searching or his like healing at all. Mm-mm. That he he mentions it briefly. Like I understand now that this was going to be harder for you. But did he actually get to a place where he knew? Did we see him? We get didn't to see a place? any of it. No. And half the book is from his perspective. He's a uh, he's a little shallow. So we could have like definitely seen him go through that. I would have liked to have seen it more. Can I? This is such a small note. Yeah, go for it. Um, I've got a hundred. But they specifically mentioned not just Magic the Gathering, but Commander in this book. I have notes on it. Okay, talk about it. Okay. Okay. So, so for those who don't know, maybe we should out your husband a little my bit. My husband works. Um, he's a huge Magic the Gathering fan. A couple of our fans are Magic the Gathering fans. <laughs> I'm calling you guys out. Our friends who also play Magic the Gathering and like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. So you guys know Julie and I are in a D&D campaign together. And Evan works for a company that does commander 
YouTube video. So he's a commander guy. Like it's a very specific, it's a very specific form of Magic the Gathering. Very specific reference. And so she dates this guy who I loved actually. I'm like, I want you to be with Rahul. And the reason why I want you to be with Rahul is because Rahul is Evan. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) He shows up to this date with the bag with his mom sets up the date like through one of these Indian dating websites, which my mom also put me on against my will and without my knowledge. And um, whatever, she needed her hobbies. Oh, God. So, uh, and my brother, she did it for both of us, actually, without telling us. And where is this notes on this? Dang it, I have so many notes. One of the dates she goes on is with... Rahul. Oh, here we go. Rahul, the commander guy. And the commander I, guy. I have three laughing emojis. I said, I know who these hot celebrity nerds are. So she goes to this... Oh, do you? I do. I know exactly who they're talking about. Tell me. Because this person plays commander on the command zone. Oh. Yeah, so it's, um, you know the guy... From True Blood, the werewolf guy. Oh. Joe Manganiello. Uh, yes, okay. It's supposed to be him. Okay, that makes sense. And I know that because he's been on the command zone. I didn't know he was in the like, I didn't know he was yeah, in Yeah, I was like, do you know the guy from True Blood? Because he came into the office today. Oof. I know. How did he even stand? How did he not rip his clothes yeah, off Yeah, so like the fact that there's a bunch of closeted people in Hollywood. They're not closeted, but they're not famous for it. He is now, though. Not for Commander. Yeah, for and like um, Joe Manganiello is one. Post Malone plays Commander. He's a big Commander guy. And then um, there's like a third celebrity that, oh, a really, really hot one, Geralt. I don't think he's a Commander guy, but he's definitely a nerd. Really? Yeah, he's like a D&D nerd. They all are. What's his name? I don't know, hot man. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, thank you. So when she goes to this date with Rahul, who I loved, I was like, you should be with Rahul. Of course, we liked him. And she's like, I think they were just going to be good friends. Like, you could tell that their chemistry wasn't there because she didn't give it a chance. But that's my own personal thought process. (laughs) I was like, give him a chance. She was like, give the nerd a chance. So he's like, you know what, I actually had planned a D&D thing because I felt like this wasn't I felt like you wouldn't want to hang out with me for very long, and so I just wanted to make sure I had something else to do afterwards, but, like, and she's like, you know what, that sounds really fun. So then she ends up going to her, his D&D night with all of these celebrities that are, like, in New Jersey for a night, and they're playing command, or they're playing D&D. Yeah. She ends up, like, wearing a cape, and she like, has a witch character, and, um, obviously Prem shows up because her sister's like, she went off with somebody here and there, because she's trying to hook him up, which is fine. I didn't mind it. No, I don't But he comes that. in, like, with a jealous rage, and he's like, what the fuck in is all fairness, happening he's here? like, oh, she's in danger, and that's... Yeah. Because of his dead fiancé, he's, like, fairly protective of people being in right. danger. Right, which, again, I didn't mind the jealousy no. thing. I never mind the jealousy thing. No. Unless it's destructive, I never mind jealousy yeah. in books. We'll talk about that in the next book. <laughs> uh, we'll get... <laughs> we will get there. So I love the D. I love the commander thing and the D and D thing. So I knew I was like I read that and I was like, are you kidding me? Like we read specifically like an East Asian themed book for and like joke about how it's going to be true these culture and then like literally one of the potential love interests. Is I mean, I only played commander once or twice because Evan made me and I don't really like it very much because it's too complicated. You can't. Oh, yeah. You cannot be a casual fan of Magic no, the Gathering. No, you have not. to let it consume your life, and I don't want to. Not into it. It's like a money dump. You just got to keep buying cards and shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. What else do we got? We got notes. She's a Taurus, which made a lot of sense to me. I don't know what any of that means. Because I didn't like her much of the book. Like the first half. Karina, yeah. Because she's just like, she reminds me more of my brother than me and the family structure. Okay. In that she's holding on to the past so hard. And that's not me in my life. 
So I just kept being like, Karina, girl, let it go. <laughs> you know? Okay, I kind of wanted her to let a little something go, and yeah. she didn't. She got everything she wanted. She got the house, she got the car, she got to cling to the past a whole bunch more. Yeah, I wanted her to maybe grow past it. The thing where I felt like she did grow past it is when she talked to her father, and then she realized that her parents struggled. Like, they didn't have a perfect life, and she yeah. thought that they did. So that was at least something. Something. So that was a little bit much for me, but then when she's like, a Taurus, the thing about Taurus is they don't like change. And they're very, like, home-structured. They're very grounded. They don't like to do new things. Mm-hmm. And my grandpa's a Taurus. And so my grandpa's very much like, he ain't moving. You ain't moving him. There's nothing you can do to move him. Mm-hmm. And so when they were like, oh, she's a Taurus, I was like, okay, well, now I'm on board. Now I, I get know, it. Now I know who she is. It gave me a different perspective on her personality. I guess. You have to get more. Oh, my God. I bet Billy's fuming right now. He fucking <laughs> hates astrology. <laughs> Billy, this is for you, you Scorpio. He I, hates it. I guess. I don't know anything you're He's yelled about, at me before about you. it. He's like, I hate this. He went on a whole rant. He hates it. The concept of astrology. That's fair. Such a Scorpio thing. <laughs> Again, I believe you. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking around. Okay, any other... Did you have any other notes? Or am I just going to go down a list Please here? Please keep going. I think I don't okay. know anymore. I thought the coffee shop scene was a nod to You've Got Mail, which I really liked. Uh, the scene. I don't know if you were a big You've Got Mail fan, but it's a very rom-com. Coffee shops. Oh, where they interrupt a date or whatever? Yeah. And her allergic reaction? Mm-hmm. See, okay. No, but they did a whole thing about cappuccinos and stuff. Oh, okay. That was like very You've Got Mail. I don't remember It's that fine. Either. Memories. It's my favorite movie. Um, so. But I really like a protective male. A male who is protective in terms of someone's safety or health mm-hmm. is very hot to me. Mm-hmm. So having him like sweep her... Oh, anaphylactic ass off her feet and like race her to the hospital especially she... after that other guy was a dick absolute dickhole does he not understand that people have allergies or even preferences would be enough yeah just yeah. like respect her i mean that was such an obvious thing like he was, it was the bad very guy, obvious so. he was like literally a monster but it, it gave it gave them <laughs> i've main... been on dates with those guys it's not that far-fetched monsters exist in the all world. of these men that she dated were not that far-fetched i mean there was only one that was an absolute monster not that i've been on a date with that guy the trump supporter guy Oh, that's right. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Where I was like, I don't want to see. I think this is enough. I'm good. And then he texted me. So Trump 2016 question mark. I'm like, yeah, that was it. That was the thing. <laughs> but even beyond that, the finance bro. I've been on a date with that guy before. Oh, I've been on more. I've room. been on more than one date with Indian finance bros, and I thought that was very realistic. God. Unfortunately. Well, it gave the main character a chance to sweep her off her feet, and it was great. Race her to the hospital. I loved that. He's yeah. literally saved her life. Yeah, it's hot. Who doesn't want that? Right. There were a few scenes that were very Bollywood style, which I really liked. So at the party at the house, the house birthday party. Yeah. They had three Indian dudes roll up in Indian clothes in the car. And of course they all have those really fancy cars, but they all like step out of the car like slow-mo style. Yeah. And they're all like super hot. And I'm like, that's straight out of Bollywood movie because the girls are all up in the window dressed in all their nines. Yep. Looking at the dudes outside. Them. Yeah. And I have dreamed about that moment since I was a child. Like that Wait, is like, that Their is eyes a... met through the window mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. That is a Bollywood good. moment. And then there was another one. So she wears bile, which are like anklets mm-hmm. with bells. Oh, yeah. And then she drops one and he puts it on her. Yeah, that was... And that's a Bollywood pretty scene. Pretty fucking hot. And then he goes down on her. I mean... Which is not in the movie, but you know... Not, not generally in a Bollywood movie. <laughs> not generally, but they could. <laughs> he goes down on her on the hood of her dead mother's car, I think, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, when all, all of the people were in the party, so it's like very... 
We could be caught. And they were all inside. Yeah, and they were in a garage. That was great. Hooking that thing, like, onto her... I don't remember the name of Pile. it. Pile. That. Mm-hmm. Onto... Back onto her ankle or whatever. Mm-hmm. So intimate. Yeah. So attractive. And it happens a lot in Bollywood movies. I love it. That they'll drop it. I think that's, like, specifically out of one movie um, where he she drops it and then he's holding it. And he hits the bell and then he puts it on her... It's great. Hello. It's so good. Hello. So good. <laughs> okay. I don't remember which sex scene this is from, but he is asking her to tell him what she wants him to do. And in the middle of it, I literally just put quotes, fucking ask me. <laughs> which I liked. Uh, yes. I like an aggressive man in the bedroom. You say Explain what you want to say. Explain that for the audience, maybe more. Not, not your ask perfect. Me? Like the context of it, yeah. He's... Sex, he's sexing her. <laughs> he's sexing her right up. And he wants, he's like that kind of dominant guy who's like, I want you to tell me what you want. And he's getting so at the end of his tether because she's so like in the throes that she just can't communicate. So he gets like really like forceful and is like, fucking ask me. And I'm like, it's so good. And I'm like, and then she came. <laughs> <laughs> and then she came. Oh, God. So, yeah, something good. about like making somebody, oh, it's a circle. He forced her to verbalize her wants or whatever, just like she later forced him to yes. verbalize. Yeah. Um, super hot. Love that. Yeah. I, oh, I love that. Um, there was a quote where from the first night, because they did a lot of that where they would flash back to the first night that they met and mm-hmm. have conversations that they had that night. There was a conversation about how hard Karina has to fight in life to just live. And it's like everything she does is a fight. And I really understood that feeling because I I think one time I was talking to Brittany the other day and we were talking about our childhood. And like, do you remember the last time you felt truly free or truly happy? Like without the tether. And Brittany's like, I haven't, I'm not going to out Brittany for what she said. So I'll just leave her part of that part out of it. But I told her, I'm like, since I was like 11 years old, life has felt like a huge fight to me. Like, I'm always fighting for something. Mm -hmm. And people are always calling me like aggressive and like belligerent and all this stuff. And I'm like, they just don't understand that it's because I'm fighting everyone all the goddamn time just to do very basic things. Normal human shit. Yeah. Like, I want to cut my hair and I had to have a fight about it and I want to wear a cloth and I have to fight about it. Let alone, it took me like over 10 years to the point where I could start, I dated in secret for years because I didn't want them to know who I was seeing. And then they would still pry and pry and pry, which again, the book is very relatable. But there was a quote um, about like that burnout of having to constantly fight where Prem says to Karina, that's a lot of fighting, Rina. Do you ever get tired of doing it alone? It's kind of heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking. Yeah. And I mean, like, to a certain extent, even when you have a partner in this type of a situation, you're still fighting alone. They can't fight it for you. No. No. They can support you. And I definitely feel like I have a support person. But it's also like, in this community, you can't stop fighting. Mm. Because then you'll just get railroaded. And then you'll live a life that you're not happy with. And it's a bummer. But I loved Karina for that, especially. Like, I really understood that side of her. Mm-hmm. That everyone just, like, hates her for existing. It sucks, too, because her sister everyone loves. And it's like, she oh, should God, I wish she, she had a brother face, instead. I was going to say, she should face this, a lot of the same problems. But, but she she's the younger one. Is that standard? Yeah. I mean, I'm the younger sister. But there's a brother. But I have yeah. a brother mm-hmm. in the mix. So because he's a boy, he gets all the things that a younger sister would. But more, because he has a penis. And... A he fraction was, of the hardships. He was born lucky. 
It's okay. I, I've gotten over a lot of my resentment because he, it's not his fault. Yeah. I We're mean, very, very remarkably fault. close now. But he also had to get to a point where I could say these things to him and he wouldn't be like, well, it's not blah, 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 blah. And now he's like, yeah, that really sucks. I'm, People want to protect their parents. but like, Yeah. To like, what length are you going to protect your parents? Me. Yeah. The only person that's going to protect me is me. And that's where you get the burnout from. Yeah. Because like you're, you're fighting the outside world, but you're also fighting your own family, which is tiring. Yeah. My mom the other day was even saying some stuff, and I'm like, I'm 32. I'm almost 33. <laughs> Why do you leave me alone? You can't police what I say about you. If you didn't want me to say shit, then you shouldn't do shit. Mm. But I said it a lot nicer than that, and then we hung up the phone kindly. Therapy. Therapy. I practice boundaries a lot. That's great. Bobby's in therapy. That was one of my notes with the praise hands. Oh, yeah. One of her friends is actually in therapy. Love that. I'd love to read her book and see how that one. I wish I'm interested in the next ser- book in the series. Then it, it's the two Being friends in. and the two friends, I assume. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that has to be it. I think you're probably right. In it, fact, I think I looked it up at one point. Yeah, yeah. there's three friends in each circle. Yeah. Gotta which, be. again, is so like Indian people. You're just going to keep dating in the same circles because like that's just how it goes. <laughs> My Indian Indian friend is in that kind of a friend circle. Your actual Indian friend? Yeah, she's Your Indian a, enough She's friend. an Indian enough friend, and she's like this. And apparently because I'm not, it means I'm not enough. I, it, there's no way to get through this book without it being therapy. I'm sorry, no, listeners. No. It's going to get real if it hasn't already. <laughs> um, at the engagement party, I have a note that says, Everyone is so happy she found a man with the barf emoji because she was never enough. No. She could never be enough, no matter what she did. In a funny note, (laughs) (laughs) uh, does everyone's Indian dad collect alcohol for weddings? Oh, that was pretty funny. My dad did that, too, for years. Like, saved it up. He had been collecting alcohol handles from Costco for the wedding. Our garage was full of alcohol for our wedding. Before you got engaged or after, or both? Before. He had just been hoarding alcohol for the wedding. The inevitable weddings. Huh. I'm like, is that a Punjabi thing? Is that an Indian dad thing? Because he did that. I thought that was so unique to my dad, and it's not. If we're talking about, is that an Indian thing? Mm. Is a Shah Rukh Khan themed birthday party a normal Indian thing? I would have a Shah Rukh Khan themed birthday party. I know party. you would. <laughs> <laughs> but I just didn't know if that was, because I, I didn't know if you were like just a super fan, or if like that, he's so famous. He's he, so famous. Okay. I, just I think it was unusual for an older person to have a Shah Rukh Khan themed birthday party, but again, it's New Jersey Indians. I don't know what they're like. <laughs> It's a different. It's is. a different subculture. Fair enough. Prem is an LA Indian. His family's LA Indian. Oh, that's right. She's a New Jersey Indian. Mm-hmm. He just lives in New Jersey because of medicine. Mm-hmm. He ended up there. So I'm like, I don't know. I've, I've never met a New Jersey Indian. I've only heard of them. <laughs> These mystical creatures. If there's anyone Indian listening, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. And if you're a New Jersey Indian, please meet Shruti so that she can say she's met one of you. No, but I'm worried because I talk so much shit about well, New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> We're laid back here on the West Coast. You guys are crazy. No, I'm kidding. We're My dad pretty... was born in New Jersey. Explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it explains, but yeah, it does. No, I don't either. I was just saying that because I like to say that joke. I have one last note. Do it. My last note is a call out for Jamil. In the end of this book, Prem, in this big engagement scene, stands up to every single person in Karina's family and calls them out for their toxicity. He calls out the sister for being selfish and abusing Karina's time. He calls out the father for, like, treating her like shit. And, like, the grand... He calls out the grandmother, which I'm like, that takes balls, man. Because yeah. Indian grandmothers are something that's, like... No matter how shitty they are, you have to be polite. Mm. So annoying. And some of them are, like, real shitty. And you still have to be polite. 
And this grandmother treated Karina like shit, too. They all kind of did. They, they all really, took advantage really of her. Did, yeah. And they used her a lot, which was really infuriating. Um, and my grandmother did that a lot with my brother and I, where she's just like, but he's the boy, so he doesn't have to do this stuff. You have to do this stuff because of gender norms. And I, again, why nobody liked me, said no. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you got to do that. So Bram tells off this family, and I loved that for them. <laughs> and I literally wrote... Prem telling off his family, praise hands emoji, Jamil did that for me, laughing emoji, because Jamil did that for me one time. To who? To my mother and my father. Oh, wow. More than once. But the early time that she did it, um, they were getting on my case about the whole marriage thing, which, I mean, like, everyone's witnessed it. They weren't really particularly shy about it. And Jamil, like... Did her Jamil thing, you know, where she gets kind of mean sometimes. She gets mama bear for her she people mama she loves. Bear. Yeah. Yeah. And then she was just like, you need to leave her alone. <laughs> you are, you know, getting way too involved in the situation. It's not about you. You're ruining her life. Like, leave her alone. I love that woman so I'm much. I'm definitely paraphrasing because it happened years ago. Still. But when she did that, it was like the first time anyone had ever like really stood up for me and my family. Aww. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and I just was really, you know what, Jamil, I know you're listening. That meant a lot. You know it means a lot. I've told you before, but like, fuck you, man. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, man. This book really is therapy because now I'm crying. <laughs> That's amazing, though. We should all have people like that in our lives. Your yeah. found family, you know. She told off your parents. My mom still is mad about it. That's amazing. My mom still holds a grudge. I mean, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Jamil, I, just so you know, I don't give a fuck that my mom holds a grudge. It's fine. <laughs> she's like, Jamil, talk back to me that one time. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, because you she's, deserved it. she's my friend, yeah. not yours. And this isn't the Indian community. So she's not going to just be polite to you because she has to. I adore that woman so much. Me too. That was my last note. Yeah. Should, should we rate my therapy session? <laughs> rate Judy's therapy. Oh, Nisha Sharma, why did you do this to me? It's awesome. This felt so personal. This was a personal attack. It was a genuinely. <laughs> every time she went on a date, I was like, I'm getting heartburn. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm flashing back in a dark way. Well, for funsies, let's do spicy mm-hmm. rating first. We didn't talk a ton about the sex other than cool, dirty talking and demanding to... It wasn't my favorite because there were moments that took me out. Like the Charlie thing, half chub. <laughs> Some of the terminology I, I just don't find attractive. I prefer cock if we're going to be doing dirty talk. Right. You know? I don't love that word, but it's better than Charlie. Or half chub. <laughs> like erect I prefer over chub. Yeah. So I feel like the way that they talked about their anatomy and jalebis and things jalebis. like that. And I was just like, you know what? It's funny because a lot of the, like, depictions of the sex acts were, like, hot and and fun to read. But then it pulled you out a little. It did. It It wasn't entirely immersive for me. I like getting Ed out on the the roof of a car. That was cool. That was a good scene. Um, There were a couple other sex scenes with them that were pretty good. Yeah. It was all, like, good in theory, but you're right. They did did pull some weird shit. I think I'm going to give it a seven. I was going to go with seven, too, actually. Like, it was really good, but not perfect. Yeah. Seven. Fun to read. Yeah. Now there's a motorcycle. Oh, that was a loud motorcycle. Welcome to Oakland. <laughs> we have motorcycles here. <laughs> no, it was just really loud. Our neighborhood was always very loud. What would you give it for a sentiment rating? I want to hear you first. Dang it, motorcycle. Motorcycle has an opinion. They're just revving outside the hotel room. Got things to say. Where are you going? Oh, you know why? There's a Harley Davidson showroom right next door. Is there really? That's very funny. 
we picked this place to do a podcast in. Um, well, I think we'd be revving outside the hotel <laughs> all day. It. Yeah. Sentiment rating. I haven't thought about this. I'm sorry. Sentiment rating. I'm going to give a six. That's so weird. I was also going to give it a six. Weird. I don't think we've ever agreed on both ratings before. No. This is the first time. Why six? I'm going to go just like purely on the relationship and not my own personal impact. Um, I wanted more depth of character development. Sure. I wanted more emotional connection. Like they had it and it was good. But it wasn't enough that it, like, tugged on my heartstrings. Mm-hmm. And I like that when a book really, like, like Nine Rules to Break or Wolf Song or other books where you're just, like, so invested that you want them to be together. Like, the world will not be right unless they are together. And, like, I know that's not what you want in real life. That's crazy. You don't want that in real life because that's unhealthy. But in the book, I just felt like if they separated, it would have been okay. Like, they would have gotten over it. Would have been fine. I they would have found another Indian like, person to slot right in there. I like when there's conflict. I like when there's external conflict a lot. And there, I mean, like, by all rights, I should have liked this book. But I just kept thinking, the day that I, like, am weeping and begging a man to tell me that he loves me because he he refuses to say it or refuses to acknowledge that he even could possibly be in love with me yeah. is the day that I've been fucking body snatched and you should actually just drown me. <laughs> because, like, like, I want my, my, <laughs> I want my protagonist to have, like, more self-respect than had. And it was... That was also part of it, the self-respect yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, if, like, if I, this is the kind of thing where if I see my friend doing it, I'm like, uh, divorce him. Like, like you know, like, I mean, I've, I'll lo- leave him. I've lost friends over this. Yeah. Yeah, not having enough self-respect to realize... I mean, and, and there's a different situation... Not to be a call-out to our old friends, but yeah, we are not friends with that person anymore. Well, no, and, and again, there is a difference between somebody who is dating a narcissist or an abuser who is manipulative or who has put them in a situation where they cannot escape in a, a safe or viable way. But to just be dating or not even dating, like just sort of approaching the idea of dating somebody and having to like beg them for affection or for them, for them to acknowledge, not even acknowledge... That loving you is an option and to still be that stuff. Like, I feel like if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, oh, then I cannot be attracted to you because your dick cannot be that magical. It can't be that. It can't. It doesn't taste like candy. Like, it's, it doesn't. So, like, in the beginning scene when her sister gives her the vibrator, do you think she just just kept the vibrator? (laughs) Do you think maybe her sister was right and she needed a vibrator? Here all along, just (laughs) knock one out with the Asian sensation, and you'll be fine. You'll get right over it. His dick is not. You're right. She never used the vibrator. It went straight to the grandma. Yeah. Maybe that would have ended straight to the grandma. (laughs) That would have ended the book, which was really funny. I love that part. Like. She kept whipping that thing out the worst times. And she <laughs> wouldn't, never a she wouldn't time. let anyone take it away from her. She had it in a kitchen drawer. Yep. Ew. That good for you, Grandma. That was really funny. Get it, Grandma. I did think in the beginning, like, Karina was, like, a, just so uptight. Which, again, yeah. the taming of the shrew, if that's the... You're right. And if there was, like, an arc, it'd be one thing. Yeah. I didn't feel like there was enough of one. I didn't like either character there enough could have been more. to excuse the, the nonsense behavior. Him being so disrespectful mm-hmm. and her having no self Like, if he had groveled more, it I think it would have redeemed the ending. Totally. Totally agree. If she had been, like, a little stronger about things, maybe I might like her more. But again, whatever. But if he had been like, I really fucked up with this yes. and I need to make it better. 
hard. With my words, not with, with my, my money. With my words and my actions and not my money, mm-hmm. then I think I would have rooted for them as a couple a lot more. I think he wrote her a letter. Yeah, that's cool. But it's not crying. <laughs> I wanted him to cry and throw up. Crying, screaming, throwing up. I wanted him to slip in his own vomit and like fall down and just be crying. Flailing around in the middle of a road. <laughs> this says bad things about us, huh? <laughs> this is what we want from our men. <laughs> I know, but the thing is, when you fuck up, you make it right. Kind of make it right. And you expect this person to just come back to you. Because you said I love you, which was ab- It's the bare, bare minimum. minimum of what she wanted yeah. you to do. I love you and I guess we can get married. Because we're good together. And they were good together. There was chemistry and a bond and like shared interests. Like when they were just talking and having conversations and like riffing and stuff, I was yeah. like, I can see this being a cute thing. It just, yeah. like you said, it never reached the point where I was really rooting for them more than I was like, oh, if they break up, oh well, people break up. People break up sometimes. Yeah. And it would be fine. Like, she got her money for her house in the end. Without him. Just go meet, like, a nice half white, half Korean person. You'll be happier. A nice half white, half Korean person. Go find Rahul and put him in this house. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's probably, like, way more emotionally available. Seems like it. People play D&D are. That's true. He's a D&D guy, and this guy's like, I mean, he saves lives and all, but, like... He's so closed off. He's so closed off. Also, I hate doctors, so this is probably coloring my view a little bit. Doctors are a troubling thing for you and I, personally. Yeah, I hate doctors and I hate cops. So if there's ever a protagonist that's doctor or cop, I'm I'm going to hate them a little. I feel like I don't hate cops as a rule. Or I mean, no, I hate cops as a rule. Sorry. Whoa. A cab. Confused for a second there. A cab. A cab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck them pigs. No, doctors. Sorry, I don't hate doctors as a rule because I have, in my experience, met good doctors. Ah. But my ratio is more bad doctors than good doctors. 100%. So it is, and also all the good doctors I've seen have been the most astronomically expensive doctors because none of them are in network. Mm. Because if they're in network, I found this out recently with my new doctor. She's like, I'm like, do you take any insurance? Like if I switch from Kaiser out, would you take my insurance? And she's like, the thing is, I meet my patients for an hour to take all of their history and really have a deep dive on all of the symptoms and no insurance coverage is ever going to let me see a patient for an hour. Oh, so she wants to do it right. So she's yeah. charged for it. So I have to pay her hundreds of thousands of Ooh. dollars just to talk to me. Yuck. But, you know, it's worth it at the end of the day because I only have one body, but it's not worth it because the world is broken. <laughs> Capitalism. Capitalism. Yeah. If, it, if, a, if a romance novel has a main character who is a doctor, I'm going to judge that person harder and I'm going to dislike them a little bit. If it has a main character that's a cop, I'm not going to read it. So no. I guess there, there's a difference. I there. have read cop books, but that was when I was like six or seven. That's actually like 11 or 12. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just didn't know how bad it was. I didn't know the truth about cops. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, fair. I don't think everyone did. Yeah. Yikes. That's, anyway. That's dark to end on. What, uh, let's talk about what we're reading next time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Woof. So... I gave Julie a list of books that we both have previously read, books that I've recommended. You didn't pick one of those. You picked one of the other two that are like, these books are interesting, and they're in a folder. One of them is about a mistaken identity pregnancy. Yeah, and when you use the words mistaken identity pregnancy, that is what it was. I would like to know what that is. And that's what one you picked. So we are reading The Misconception by Darlene Gardner. That's going to be our next book. I'm sorry, it's not like one of the ones we discussed online or anything. It's just purely random. It's going to be we a the, fever sort of the last, dream. We sort of at the last second decided to add another one for this yeah. trip. Just so we, we yeah, so we could squeeze it in. Yeah, so we'll be recording that shortly. 
um, and releasing it a little bit later so that people can read the book if they want to. I mean, I will, I will say, even though I put this on the list, I wouldn't recommend it. So if you want to listen to it and not read the book and save some money. Yeah. It's two ninety nine, so you're not going to be losing money. It's very short to read, but it's not, it doesn't hold up from the first time I read it to now. And we'll talk about it. Yeah. So you could save your money on that one. But listen to us freak out about it. I would recommend this book. I would recommend this book as well. Even though I, get, I feel like a six is maybe... Yeah, we gave it a little like rating and we talked a lot of smack about it. But I think also there's just a lot of good things about it. Yeah. That make it worth the read. It's charming. It's very charming. And the characters are likable. I just think like if this is a first take at like writing, I'm hoping the next book gets better and, it and better generally and better. Will. The more people read, the more yeah, they, get. they get more experience. I'm looking and... forward to her next stuff because I liked this. Me as well. I also like her social media presence. She's got a TikTok and Instagram and everything and very involved. Cute. Good for her. Cool. My people. It's your people. They made alu perontas. Yeah, I, right at the beginning. Like my mom does. And they, she described oh, the mom it. Too, yeah. She described it the way that my mom makes it where her fingers are burn proof. Like my mom can flip hot yeah. oil and she doesn't feel a thing in her fingertips. And then this mom was the same. And I'm like, that's my mom. Oh. And she's an LA Indian. That's really my mom. Oh, that's right. That one's, really, that one's your mom for sure. And she's also obsessed with her kids getting married. So she's really my mom. Well, <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Cool. Well, then we will see you next time for... Oh, uh, where, pe- where do people find us? They find... Oh, email... <laughs> God, we're so not we're on it today. Email us, yourmeetcutes at podofconvenience at gmail.com. Also your book recommendations. Also your book... Re- or both. We are at a deficit of meet cutes, and I am thirsting for your stories. Yeah, we love real life meet cutes. I love them. Every time we get one, I get so excited. They're all so beautiful. Yeah. And on TikTok... And Instagram, we are pot of convenience. We're either pot of con or pot of convenience. One It'll be in the episode description. That as well. Find us there. And next week, next week, whatever, whenever we release this. Like in this, a month or something. Yeah. <laughs> whenever they we get We'll talk about The Misconception by Darlene Gardner. I believe that's her name. It'll be fun. We'll correct it in the next one if we're wrong. Yeah. Anyway. Good times. Cool. Well, we, we love, love you. you. Bye. Bye-bye.